and they do tend to believe the media. They can't believe that anyone would go to such trouble to convince them of a different reality. They can't believe it. They can believe the small lies, the little white lies they tell each other, but they can't believe that anyone would do such incredible worldwide lies and back it with such money. That's exactly how you run the world, isn't it? As by deception, big money, and paying a lot of liars to make sure that we all get lied to and we believe properly. Works every time. For most folk, that is 87% of the public. I'll be back with more on tonight's topics after this break. through the matrix I like to talk about mind control often because it's it's everything it's your daily nonsense from the media it's the same media remember who get you into wars in past times run by big moguls at the top it's the same media who back up the pharma industry because they get a lot of advertising from other pharmaceutical products and had had us all pay through the nose for worthless vaccines just recently uh, it's, it's the same media that covers up the tracks of politicians, except the ones it's safe to go after that have been told uh, are on their way out. The media is an essential arm of cover. It's the middle, you see. The media is the middle. They peddle the nonsense from the top down to us at the bottom. And therefore, you can, you can get a whole society, you can get a whole world saying the same stuff from the media, and because everyone has the same opinion as you, which is given to you by the media... Uh, you all think you're sane. That's how, how, how it basically works on the, on the basic level. Everyone thinks the same thing. But all must be sane in that case. So anyone with any other opinion must be crazy. I talked before about how in the world of spooks, as I call them, the spies, uh, the security services, the top, there's so many above even the ones that you've heard of. Uh, that you can't count them all. And even the different ones are so compartmentalized that they don't know what the rest of the departments are doing. Everything is, is run by secrecy and people who take oaths to, and higher oaths and are and tested all the time to make sure they keep their mouths shut. Their phones are bugged as well to make sure that they don't let anything slip. They get tested in bars with a few drinks and something slipped in it. They test these characters. So the ones who get to the top really are absolutely tight-lipped about whatever they do. Because the public must never be allowed to know what's really happening to them. And who's paying for it? And whose governments are doing it? If you want anything to happen within the public realm, in panic, you cause the panic to happen. It was like the so-called bank crash that was, came on cue when George Bush Jr. went on national television. Now, he's a president. The number one rule in economics is never panic the public. So they get the top man to tell you to panic. See, it was planned that way. 
And he actually said that. He said, this, this, this is going to be a depression worse than the 1920s, he said. The top man, the cardinal rule of economics, don't tell the truth. Always pad it, make it sound, give them a soft landing, make it sound okay. Because, you see, all the stock market is, is trust and belief. It's a belief system. Everything's going to get better all the time, so people gamble their money in it. You tell them it's going to crash, and they'll pull their money out of it, and it crashes. Same media kept it all going. And you'll find the same big media in all major countries, but some countries have smaller uh, media associations, and something slips out once in a while. So it's back to the world of spooks, as I'm saying, spies and all the different things they get up to. And they're famous for setting people up as patties. Famous for it. That's why, and I've told people over and over again, young people of all creeds and groups, don't ever, ever allow yourself to be talked into doing a terrorist act because you've been set up by the authorities. Every sting operation has been, I think, so far in Britain and Canada and elsewhere, it's always announced that someone was set, setting them up, someone who, who belonged to the security services. See, if you have nothing happening, you've got to get youngsters riled up enough, give them a leader who's very persuasive and taught certain techniques of control, and they'll do anything, for, they'll believe them. Then they get left holding the baby, and they take the can. We saw this nonsense too, as I say, what they want to get all these uh, new security equipment coming through. What do you do? You create a situation, you yell, oh my God, it was almost an explosion, and bang, everybody sits back where the government spends billions of dollars on further dehumanizing us all by saying, well, we've got to look through your clothing now. And you know it's not going to end there. You know it's not. I mean, look at all the drugs that supposedly came in years ago, supposedly with guys swallowing condoms full of it. They had them in their rectums and all the rest of it. What's next? And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding about this. You know what's coming next. Here's the sort of stuff that security companies and agencies do. And this is from Ireland, and it's from RTE News. Ireland, Southern Ireland, Tuesday, 5th of January. It says, explosive reached Ireland after failed tests. Now listen to this. <laughs> a quantity of explosive found in a flat at an apartment on Dorset Street in Dublin this morning was brought into Ireland following a failed security operation in Slovakia. This is how they're presenting it to the public. At least they present it over there. We'd never heard about it over here, unless they just grabbed the patsy and, and pointed to him. Oh, my God, a terrorist. It says the explosive was one of eight pieces of contraband planted by the authorities in the luggage of unsuspecting passengers. Wow, don't you have confidence in the, airway, the airports now, in the, the airlines? Unsuspecting passengers at Bratislava Airport in Slovakia last weekend as part of a test of security procedures. It says seven were detected by airport security, but the eighth, 90 grams of research development explosive, or RDX, was put in the luggage of a Slovakian electrician who lives and works in Dublin. The 49-year-old unwittingly brought the material to Dublin when he returned from Christmas holidays. 
the Garda, the, the police were eventually alerted this morning following a call from police in Bratislava and the flat in Dorset Street, uh, Dorset Street was sealed off. During the operation, the adjoining homes and businesses were evacuated as the Army Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit removed the explosive for further analysis. Both Gardner Street and Lower Dorset Street were closed off for about an hour. The Slovakian man, poor soul, you could be any of us, any of us. And, and believe you me, if they wanted to set you up as a patsy, <laughs> there's nothing you could say or do that would convince the public otherwise. The Slovakian man was arrested at the scene, but the Garde are now satisfied that he is innocent and he was released from custody this afternoon. He will not face charges. The Department of Foreign Affairs said the Slovakian Minister for the Interior has conveyed his government's profound regret, no kidding, <laughs> for this incident to the Justice Minister Dermot Ehern. Mr. Ehern said he was very concerned about the fact that the Garde were not alerted for three days and has asked for a full report. I guess they just thought it went missing, eh? The Garda Commissioner, uh, Fakta Murphy, was appointed Detective Chief Superintendent Martin McLaughlin to establish the full background to this incident. They'll never get it all. In fact, this might be the last you'll hear of it, because obviously it took all of, of MI6 and a whole bunch of European equivalents to be in on this practice. <laughs> Slovakian minister has told Minister Ahern that, that his government will cooperate fully with the Garde investigation. So that's what really happens, and poor schmucks are caught. Uh, the media generally points the finger at them. Uh, oh, he's, he's caught red-handed. You see, there it is. It's on him. Uh, you're standing there sputtering, and oh, it wasn't me, honestly. I knew nothing about it. And then you're in the slammer and some big wig in some foreign country gets to sell his new equipment to all the airports. Uh, mind you, he greases the palms of the politicians who are in on the act. That's how it really works in the real world. <laughs> and again, it, it sort of dehumanizes us as we get used to being dehumanized. You know, we're always being dehumanized. Bend over. And all the rest of it. It's interesting, you know, I think it was um, Total Recall was a movie that Schwarzenegger was in. I think that's the name of it, where they can actually give you a, an implanted holiday in your memory, but you don't go anywhere apart from the seat and the science lab. But uh, I think in the movie, they had uh, some, some action in there where he runs through a security, a security guard uh, check at the airport, and you see through his clothing then, you could even see his skeleton, I mean, x-rays and all the rest of it. And this stuff, they're dying to sell, of course, to all the governments. And again, to train us further in dehumanization and actually dehumanization. Um, I think that was out, came out 20 years ago, that movie. But that came from a novel, the movie itself, written in 1966. And it was called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. That was the name in the novel by Philip Dick 1966 that you'd go through airports one day and be x-rayed and you could see through your clothing and all the rest of it everything programs you and believe you me the futurists as I told you before they do that with the sci-fi writers they bring select ones in they say this is what you're going to write about make a good story make sure you get these incidents and these things topics in the story 
and you're being programmed for what's to come constantly. It's not because they've got great imaginations and they come up with good stories out of, the, out of thin air. That's how Wells worked too, H.G. Wells. He was given a lot of stories to write about. And that's how it is, really. The world is really, really like that. But can you imagine being a patsy in court, too? Eh? Because they could have just picked this guy and says, you know, maybe they even had a little conference about, should we let this guy take the heat? Because and, and, he, he would never, ever have convinced anybody that he was innocent. In What's Up With That, there's an article here by Viscount Moncton that spoke out about the climate change has been heavily attacked. I'll read it when I come back from this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. The Viscount Moncton of Brinchley who's been in the media quite a bit recently with uh, his opposition to all the climate change nonsense using facts, of course, which is a, it makes him a very dangerous man because facts are not to come, to come into these arguments. They're supposed to be emotional arguments, you see. And they get upset when you bring in facts, awfully upset. But anyway, and what's up with that? He puts a letter that he sent off to the Prime Minister of Australia and it's got the 1st of January 2010. He addresses it, His Excellency Mr. Kevin Rudd, that's the Prime Minister. And that's what you see in British Commonwealth countries. We're so far advanced in the 21st century, you call him Excellency. His Excellency Mr. Kevin, Kevin Rudd. Prime Minister Commonwealth of Australia. Prime Minister, he says, your speech on the 6th of November 2009 to the Lowy Institute, in which you publicly expressed some concern at my approach to the climate question, has prompted several leading Australian citizens to invite me to come and tour to explain myself in a series of lectures in Australia later this month. I'm writing to offer personal briefings on why global warming is a non-problem to you and other party leaders during my visit for convenience and copying this letter to them and to the press. Your speech mentioned my remarks about the proposal for world government in the early drafts of what had been intended as a binding Copenhagen treaty. And that's true, I have, I have this uh, initial draft. Uh, and it does say uh, world government twice. It says, these proposals were not, as you suggested, a conspiracy theory from the far right. See, anybody at all who, who objects about anything that's going on in the world right now is called a far right nutcase. Anything at all you object about. By the lefties, and these are commies, these are real communists, believe you me, in the Fabian society, like Mr. Rudd there. His name is Red, actually, Rudd, like Adam, Rudd, Reddy, Ruddy, they called it, Adam. And he speaks Chinese. But anyway, since these proposals were not, as you know, a conspiracy theory from the far right with the zero basis in evidence, your staff will find them in paragraphs 36 to 38 of the main text of the Annex 1 to the 15th of September draft of the treaty. The word government appears twice at paragraph 38. After much adverse publicity in democratic countries, including Australia, the proposals were reluctantly dropped before Copenhagen. You say I'm one of those who argue that any multilateral action is by definition evil. On the contrary, my first question is whether any action at all is required, to which, as I shall demonstrate, the objective economic and scientific answer is no. 
even if multilateral action were required, which it is not, national governments in the West are by tradition democratically elected. And he goes on to explain it all. He's got lots of facts and figures down below, and he can go on and on with it. He talks about carbon taxes and all the nonsense that's, that's, that's taken over, uh, interplaced basically all other economies, which it is. That, that insecurity, I think, I think the whole weather nonsense and security for the world are probably the, the two only ongoing uh, working economic systems we have left at the moment, apart from what's happening in China where they do all the manufacturing. And remember these links I'll put up on cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show, and you can read them for yourself. But it's, it's interesting to see how things are really, really happening. And there's an article even from the Boston Globe here on doctors and physicians who are really in, if, if you don't really understand all the... It's, it's true what uh, Jack C. Lowell said about uh, television programs and, and fiction and dramas and movies where they glorify the police or the medical staff and as to get you to believe that they're infallible. They're, they're systems of authority, you understand. I mean, health services started off as health services, now they're health authorities. So they must make you believe that they really know what they're talking about and they have authority to make you do or comply with what they want you to do. And so many of them are on the take. I've mentioned this for years. They're on the, they don't go into medicine because they want to help people. They go into it for, to, number one, the ego and the status, along with the cash, the loot that it rakes in. People will mortgage their homes and their granny's homes to save little Johnny when he's sick. And that's why they go into medicine, to get lots of loot. That's the reality. And they make mistakes galore amongst the population. Not like the TV stuff where they all seem to know what they're doing. And they can run along corridors and that stethoscope never falls off their neck. It must be super glue or something. And not a hair out of place. It's all farce and drama to brainwash you. Boston Globe, January the 3rd, 2010. High-ranking physicians and executives at Partners Healthcare, which includes Massachusetts General and Brigham and women's hospitals, can no longer receive stock or unlimited fees for sitting on the boards of biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies under new rules that took effect Friday. So that's why you pay them off legally. You give them stock shares. Same with politicians. I remember when, when Mulroney left Canada uh, as a prime minister, and I think it was Reagan too, uh, did the same thing. And then Bush Sr. did the same thing. And they all got boards. They all got seats on God knows how many corporations for ramming through the NAFTA deal. That's how you pay them off. They don't even have to attend. And so many shares, you see. That's how it's done. So they'll no longer receive stock or unlimited fees. Unlimited fees for sitting on the boards of biotechnology and pharmaceutical companies. And they're really ticked off about it. They'll only be able to get now $500 an hour for sitting on their gluteus maximi and fudging statistics. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix talking about how doctors and hospital executives get big payoffs for sitting on the boards of biotech and pharmaceutical companies, but this new rules come into effect in some of the U.S. states. And uh, it's another be limited, it says here, it's from the Boston Globe, uh, limited to $500 an hour, no more. Before that, we get a lot more money for that. And, of course, what they do is make sure those particular pharma pharmaceutical uh, products are sold throughout their hospitals, you see, and prescribed, uh, you know, by the, by the bucket load, basically. That's what they do. So it says here, the rules limit their pay to 500 an hour. Oh, 500 bucks. Oh, poor souls. How will they manage? Or $5,000 for a typical 10-hour day attending a board meeting. Of course, they get a couple of good lunches there and around the golf in between it as well. It says, the rules ban executives and high-level physicians outright from taking company stock as compensation. The new limits that partners underscore just how intertwined academic medical centers and pharmaceutical companies have become. They've always been that way because it was the Rockefeller boys uh, who set up the pharma industry and the, the medical industry in the U.S. and decided what would be taught. So is the same midday, in fact. Anyway, it says they're part of a national push by state regulators, Congress, and hospitals themselves to make these relationships more transparent and to counter industry's influence over the drugs and treatment doctors prescribe. <laughs> Massachusetts General and Harvard's medical school with which the hospital is affiliated are amongst dozens of institutions and organizations nationally that have come under scrutiny from congressional investigators over their relationships with pharmaceutical companies. They never say bribery and stuff. That's left for the people at the bottom <laughs> and graft. And I think that's going to stop them. No, there's a, a hundred thousand ways they can pay them off, as they always have in the past too. Holidays in the Bahamas or on big luxury yachts and stuff like that, you see. There's always ways to pay them back. No problem at all. But it looks good for PR, public relations. You know, it looks good for that. It makes us think that something's actually happening about corruption. And this corruption is the norm. It's the norm, you know. It's the norm. Every laugh, too, has got uh, an article here from CBS News. Uh, Crime Cider, it says here. Uh, January the 5th. Uh, do new airport body scanners violate child porn laws? Now, the trick, the trick of, of putting something new through your mind is to divert you from the natural argument into the side argument. And it's, it's always done in the first um, sentence. Do new airport body scanners violate child porn laws? Now, technically, you see, it should violate everybody's privacy laws. See, but, but no, they, they put, well, it's child porn laws. And it says the British are balking at U.S. security demands. It says British airports are largely in a holding pattern over the introduction of full-body scanners amid concerns the technology may breach child pornography and child protection laws. What about the adults? Don't they care? that someone seeing you start naked? You know something... We've been so degenerated over the last three generations, really, thanks to Hollywood and all uh, the TV companies working together in the culture industry, knowing where they were going with it all a long time ago. But they were not embarrassed about anything anymore. There's people who just soak up 
uh, really what really is just male pornography under the guise of entertainment today. And so nothing shocks us anymore. So when they say, you know, yeah, we're going to see you in, this, in the full nude, you're sitting there, you know, chewing the stuff that makes you all fat and obese. Oh, well, you know, you know I'm used to that in a way. I watch all the TV. And so what? What's the big deal, they'll tell you. You know, 30 years ago, they could never even have attempted this. They could not have attempted. There'd be a massive outcry. And child pornography, they wouldn't use that as an excuse. It would be pornography, period. And the violation of human rights, period. They were so degraded. Now, these so-called um, reality shows, when they came out with them, and they stick a bunch of youngsters in a house, and they're wearing very little, and uh, tell them to have a good old time to themselves. And, of course, they're being directed, although the public's not supposed to know that. And the next thing you know, they're all having sex with each other. This is entertainment now. Nothing shocks them. This is the same generation who've been taught that you don't need privacy. What's privacy? It's an old-fashioned concept. We've been so degraded step by step by step. And I've said this, there's been a war going on that knew exactly what it was doing and where it was going. And it was intergenerational, and they published books and books and books about how they would do it. Incredible. This is radiation. This is radiation. This is X-ray, by the way. Let's say, oh, it's a mild X-ray. It just bounces off the surface of the skin. What utter rubbish. It will penetrate the body. There's no such safe limit for X-rays, no matter what they tell you. It's accumulative to the damage. And everyone's different. Some people could take more radiation before the cancers break out. Some people less. They've had documentaries on CBC in Canada to do with uh, mainly young women who had lots of x-rays well I say lots more than the average uh, because of health problems when they were children and all the cancers they ended up with uh, when they hit 20, 30, 40 multiple cancers and here they are trying to tell us this is safe but never mind that anybody who doesn't mind seeing themselves starkers Known darn well, I'll guarantee you, they will sell this stuff across the internet and to all the, uh, the, the, the sickos out there. Probably in parliaments and stuff like that, you know, or law enforcement. They will be selling all that stuff across the way. I mean, it's just inevitable. But you know something? It's true to the extent, too, the people get what they deserve. Because guess what? The bully will push and push and push. So you're flat on your back. If you don't start pushing back, you will be flat on your back. I can't believe this. Accept it and accept it and accept it. Disgusting. Tyranny is tyranny. Look at your history books. If you don't look at your history books, you're done for because it's been tried over and over again. All these techniques to keep you safe as they humiliate you and train you to obey, obey, obey. We can't go much further, you know. Can't do it. And it started again with, uh, again, a long time ago, with uh, women's rights, they said, which is nonsense because, you see, the communists always picked minority groups and pretended to help them. And then when communism came in in, in certain countries, those folk that thought they were having a utopian have rights were the first ones to get bumped off. They don't want troublemakers in a communist 
dictatorial tyrannies. But years ago they started saying, well, you know, you don't really want pregnancy. It's just a fetus. It's like having a wart removed. That's all it is. You know, we're just, we're all just here by happenstance. It's just evolution. We could have been monkeys or butterflies or something else, but here you are. You're nothing special. And they dehumanized us, exactly what Julian Huxley said they'd have to do. Dehumanize us, and they have, starting with abortion. Now they drug all children pretty well, who have an IQ worth noticing. They drug them because they don't want future leaders. And it's okay for governments to drug them to almost death, and some of them do die. But here they go, a war on drugs for, for people who smoke marijuana and stuff like that. Utter nonsense. Utter rubbish. It's a psychiatric industry, the ones that championed Darwinism and championed Marxism and championed, and, and championed Nazism. Go right at it again. Psychiatry. Lenin said the same thing. He says these services like the health services, child services, will become authorities. That was their purpose in introducing them in the first place. So when they're finished with all of that, so they're drugging the children, they're aborting healthy babies. As they tell us at the same time, there's too many people, while they open the floodgates to immigration, and at the same time tell us, same time, they used to help for double, triple, quadruple think, they tell us that the people in the West are becoming sterile and not enough children are being born to, to native Brits and, and native French and native so on and so on it goes. That's why they have to open the floodgates to tell us. Then they open the floodgates and say, oh, there's too many. This is beyond doublethink. It's not meant to be rational. It's meant to get emotional things going. And then they go for the elderly, you see. And they also go for the physically unfit. You know that's coming. They've already discussed it in many high levels. This Obama social health care system is not what people think it is. It's not what they think it is. It's ways of cutting back on all the stuff that the ones who can't afford to get for free right now. And it will be an utter authority. And they've already worked out with the Rand Corporation how they can cut back on life-prolonging drugs and stuff. You can't get certain drugs in Canada or Britain that you can get in the U.S. that prolong you, uh, your life for maybe six months. They'd say, oh, it's not cost-effective. When governments run your health care system, and yet I know all health care systems are private, are corrupt as well, and ridiculously expensive, but when governments run it, remember, remember, it's a political agenda. Don't ever forget that. So from the New York, New York Times... December 31st, 2009, the Montana Supreme Court ruled on Thursday that state law protects doctors in Montana from prosecuting, uh, for, for prosecution for helping terminally ill patients die. And that's how they started. That's how they started. Same thing happened, remember, in Holland years ago. They've, they've killed a lot of people since then, including nuns that did not want to be terminated. Oops, it was a mistake. There's lots of mistakes, believe you me. But they're not really mistakes when you're going to cost the government money. It says, but the court ruling with a narrow majority sidestepped the larger landmark question of whether physician-assisted suicide is a right guaranteed under the state's constitution. 
The 43 decision in a case closely watched around the nation by physicians and advocates for the disabled and terminally ill was a victory for the so-called death with dignity movements, another front movement. But it fell short of the sweeping declaration advocates had hoped for. And by avoiding the question of constitutional rights entirely, the court kept debate in the Montana legislature where passions over the issue run high and where tinkering with existing laws is much easier than changing the Constitution. And I'll put this link up as well for you all to have a gander at this is a, a gander. But these things are all connected, all connected because, and I've even mentioned it a few times, Julian Huxley, um, I read from his own book, and he was the first United Nations UNESCO CEO put in to create a world culture and start brainwashing a world generation of youngsters through national education associations all connected to UNESCO. A common curriculum of social change. Dehumanize people until we accept, well, yeah, but this beast is too many of us beasts, and so what? And what's the point in keeping someone with a palsy alive? All us get of them to the same stuff that was done in the Soviet regime and in the Nazi regime. They were both socialists, by the way. And here it is, under different guises, and the people are so ignorant today they can't connect it. When it's never been so open as today. Look at all the people appointed behind Obama. Look at them all. Look at the books they wrote in the past. These are the same types of characters that should have been that were in the Nuremberg trials, even though that was rigged as well and pre-scripted by Hollywood, by the way, by another another Bernays. But these are the same characters too that did the slaughtering in the Soviets, and they think it's justified to bring the population down by any and all means possible and make it economically feasible. In other words, you only treat the people that you deem worthy to treat with medicine. That's amazing. It's amazing. And remember too, when the the so-called crash came, that Iceland, that was a haven for, I mean, he promised an incredible return on investments then we found out that, gee, even little townships were investing your tax money in this Iceland. No one knew that money to invest or was crying broke. And lots of townships in Europe, and especially Britain, had lots of cash invested there. So much so that, that Tony Blair, before he left, uh, said that they, they might even have to go to war to make Iceland pay up. And I read that article too. Well, from the BBC... On the 5th of January 2010, it says, uh, Olafur Ragnar Grimson, the participation of the nation in the final agreement is the only viable outcome. They're refusing to pay their debt. $5 billion, or 3.1 billion pounds, to the UK and the Netherlands. President Olafur Ragnar Grimson said he would, would instead hold a referendum on the bill following public protests. It's amazing to see a little country like that where the public are demanding what they want to the extent it's frightening the guys at the top. And it appears at the moment they're, they're at least thinking of complying. We'll see how it turns out. 
says the legislation was designed to compensate governments forced to bail out their savers with ICE-save accounts following Iceland's banking meltdown. I put the meltdown in there because it's quite a, little, a good little joke there. Opponents argue that the terms of the payments will unfairly hurt Iceland and its recovery from economic crisis. But some say those opponents form a large majority of Icelanders. Some 70% of the people are said to be likely to vote no in a referendum. Well, I wonder if it's anything like Ireland's. They'll just run over their heads anyway and get what they want. We'll see. But it seems that the IMF is heavily in. And you understand, these are, the, these are the heavies who come in and take a country over when you're in debt. IMF. And they're putting the heat on Iceland as well to pay back their debts. This is the strange private organization of the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund. And by the way, all it is is the same bunch as in the World Bank. It's a group of international world bankers, private organizations. But that's what runs the UN. It's a private organization too. And I'll put this article up as well at the end of the show. Now, we've got some more from California there. Are you there, Mo, on the phones? Hey, Alan, how you doing? Not so bad. Good, good. I, first, I wanted to say thank you for all you've done for humanity while you're you know, on Earth. I have a lot of respect for you. You've opened my eyes definitely to a lot of... Uh, I'll tell you more. Hang on, and we'll get you after this break, will you? Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking to Mo from California. So, resume, Mo, will you? (laughs) <laughs> All right, Alan, got about five minutes left. I wish I, I had a little bit more time because I know some of the questions I have for you would, would definitely take more time for you to answer, but I guess I'll, I'll cut it short. But first, I'd like to say anybody out there that is listening to Alan that hasn't bought anything of his, his books or his CDs, definitely to go to his website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and get them and listen to them and understand everything he's talking about beyond current events because that's what it's about. It's about an ancient plan that is coming to fruitation, and I believe we're at our end stages of this fruitation in the New World Order that I believe is here and has been here, you know, and, and people claim that it's not because it's not on some type of constitution or paper or some type of announcement on, you know, corporate media news, but I believe it's here, it's been here, and nothing's going to stop it. Um, something I'd like to ask you in regards to media, you touched on a lot of things that really are close to my heart, Media definitely um, controlled. I'm worried about uh, the alternative media now, um, mm-hmm. not such as yourself, but other people out there that are, I feel, telling the truth, but they're not giving more to the people that seek knowledge. And one of those people, you know, again, that I know you've been interviewed and so forth, and that doesn't mean you are involved in his operation or anything, is, is Alex Jones. And I feel he is misleading people by not giving them information, half-truths, chaos. You talked a lot about this in the show, where it's just all this organized chaos, and out of chaos comes order. You know, And I feel strongly 100% with the investigations I've done on Mr. Alex Jones that he is part of this. Um, again, you don't have to comment on that 
but if you can comment on alternative media, what's going on there in the New World Order, already being here, that'd be great in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, the, the problem with me is I, I never have time to listen to anyone else uh, during the days. Now, years ago, I used to listen to different ones, um, mainly when it was on shortwave radio. And uh, I got into shortwave radio, and an article appeared in the Toronto Star back in the late 80s, I think it was, early 90s. And it mentioned the history of the Patriot Movement in the U.S. and how the CIA had started it up in the Cold War back in the 60s. And at that time, they funded Christian movements as fronts against communism at that time. But the guy who wrote the script hinted at the fact they'd never let up. Now, it's true, all media, even if it starts off genuinely, will either be infiltrated or, or incredible offers will come to you. And if you go for them, you end up being a, a slave to a master, you know? Correct. And, and that's what I want to say out there. And again, um, it's nothing against you. You've been in, his, in his, uh, his, his videos and so forth, but he knows a lot more than he's letting out. And, and it's obvious when, when someone that has a little bit higher IQ than the norm who is turned on to what's going on when they listen to him, they obviously know after about two weeks, you know, if they do their own research that this guy isn't letting everything out there. It's just organized And it's possible to remember, it's also event. possible that that's how he does see things. And I know, I know he's, he's far more, he's far more, um, uh, um, he's more upbeat than me and he covers a lot of topics. Oh yeah, in a lot of facts yeah. he puts out there, and he's probably opened more eyes than anybody out there. But mm-hmm. you know, if you look into his past, I mean, all his grand, his ancestors were Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and he doesn't disclose this. He does a, a video on George Washington, who was one of the you know the first presidents of our country, and it was a grand master Freemason. So you know, I, I just don't understand why he's not giving more information on the ancient history of the New World Order and what really is happening and why the United States was created. You, both of you and I know to bring in the New World Order. I'm pretty certain by the Founding Father's own statements. But thanks, thanks for calling in. Uh, as I say, it doesn't mean that I, I necessarily um, agree with it. Uh, people have their different ways of putting things over. But from Hamish, myself, and to your Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's school with you.